You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated or various SEC-related things, but on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Upside. You can download the free Upside app right now, and you can use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Thank you so much to Upside for bringing you today's episode. On today's episode of Locked on Kentucky, going to be asking a couple of questions. Is Kentucky football legitimate? I mean, obviously they're a good team, but are they worthy of an SEC title? Are they worthy of getting to 10 wins? And are they capable of making the college football playoff at this point in the season? Do we truly know the answer to whether or not Kentucky football is legitimate? Also, Chris Rodriguez, back from suspension, the star running back for the Wildcats. What will he do in his return against the Ole Miss Rebels this weekend? Going to talk about that. And then finally, we've got some listener questions. I did not forget about your questions. I went back through the comments. Some of these were like 10 days ago. I I apologize so much for not being able to get to some of y'all's questions, but we're going to answer them finally here on today's episode. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen Every single day, I want to remind you guys that we are out there everywhere, free, wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. We are so close to 2,500 subs. Is Kentucky football legitimate? As of right now, the Wildcats are sitting at number seven in the AP poll. It's their highest ranking since 1977. They're on a roll, 4-0 with a win on the road at number 12, Florida. Well, Florida was 12th at the time. You know, obviously, they're not a top 25 team now, but it was, a, it was a huge win, and Kentucky's kind of built themselves up. They're built, they built their resume up, and they've got an opportunity to really get the ball rolling this weekend in Oxford whenever they play number 14 Ole Miss. Is Kentucky, though, a top-seven team in the country? A lot of people have been pushing back on the fact that, you know, Kentucky is not necessarily a good team. You go and actually watch them. You watch them play. You see some of their flaws. And we talked about this on yesterday's episode when we were breaking down Kentucky's win over NIU. They don't look like a complete team right now, specifically because of their offensive line issues. But I think what I turn to whenever I start to answer the questions, is Kentucky legitimate? Can they make an SEC championship? Can they make the college football playoff? Are they a top 10 team? 10 wins? You know, stuff like that. I think you have to, the first place you have to churn right now is the coaching staff. I think what the job that this coaching staff has done, elevating this program to the status that they're at right now, if you took the coaching staff alone, the answer would be yes. Yes, they're one of the best programs in the country right now. Yes, they're legitimate. Yes, they're a top seven team. Yes, this coaching staff could make an SEC championship. But you look at the talent on roster, and this is where things get interesting. And I know some of you out there may disagree with me, But to be completely honest with you, I think right now, to answer the question, is Kentucky football legitimate? I mean, on the surface, yes, but are they a top seven team? I think we're honestly right now a top 15 team that has been boosted inside the top 10 because of our resume. The game against Ole Miss this weekend, I think, is going to prove a lot for the Wildcats. And so to answer this question, I'm going to kind of not answer it and say, I don't think we truly know what this team is capable of yet because they haven't faced their best competition. Right now, the offensive line has held this team back from looking so much more complete than they could have potentially that it's hard to say, 
okay, you look down the road, you look at Kentucky's schedule, you look into the future, and you start asking these questions about whether or not they're capable of these things, that O-line has to get significantly better for a fan or for me here to sit here and comfortably say, yeah, Kentucky's going to do it. Kentucky's legitimate. Because there are three games in particular that I think could be serious issues for the Wildcats, and this is not disrespect to South Carolina, Missouri, or Vanderbilt, or Louisville, even though Louisville will prove to have its challenges as well. There are three games where I think Kentucky, outside of this Ole Miss game, is going to have to prove that they can play against the best competition. At home against Mississippi State, on the road at Tennessee, and then at home against Georgia. I told you guys, I told you just a few days ago that Georgia would show cracks at some point. No college football team is perfect. No college football team is invincible, although it may feel like it right now with the Bulldogs. They are not perfect. And we got to see that this past weekend whenever they played Kent State. Now, you may say, Lance, well, your team didn't look good either. I'm not trying to talk about my team right now. I'm talking about your team. Everybody wants to say in the Georgia sphere, including their fans, including people in my comment section, Georgia is invincible. No, they're not. Did you see how they played against Kent State? That team's beatable. You get some better talent against them. You get, get a good coaching staff paired up against them. You get them on the road. That's going to be a tough out for them. They may still win, but it's going to be maybe, what, three, four, five points maybe? It's going to be a tough out, and they're also beatable. So those three games right there, I think, are, are going to prove whether or not, again, outside of this Ole Miss game, whether or not Kentucky can play against the best competition. And again, a lot of it for me has to go back to the offensive line. If the offensive line was as good as it was last year, I would say, yeah, this team can make a title run. Easy. Easy could make a title run, especially with C-Rod back. They've got the pieces. They've got talented young receivers. They've got an NFL quarterback. They've got a stud tailback. They've got a defense that is sound from top to bottom. They have one of the nation's best third down percentages, opponent-wise is what I'm saying. And then their secondary is so significantly improved from a year ago. I believe they're a top 30 unit nationally in pass defense, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure they're hovering or actually around somewhere inside the top 20. I needed to pull that up before I started the show. Anyway, point being, Kentucky hasn't played their best football, but they have their limitations. And so to answer the question, to kind of put a bow on it here, is Kentucky legitimate? Could they make a title? Could they make the playoff? Could they win 10 games? We don't know. I think we're going to have to find out some things this week. And if you look at those three other games, you're going to have, have questions answered in those contests. But I think, and I'm not saying this, I'm not going to sit here and say we don't know and, and be negative about it. I don't think Kentucky's played their best football yet. I think a lot of teams out there haven't played their best football yet. You look across the SEC, man, there's some teams that are going to be able to gel here quickly in the month of October that are going to look completely different than they did at the beginning of the season. And so the question is, can Kentucky survive those teams specifically in the SEC East? I'm talking about South Carolina. I'm talking about Missouri and their awful start to the 2022 season. I mean, you got to see games against Kent State and Auburn, that Auburn game. I believe it was like 12 consecutive punts. Missouri does not look good, but they could look completely different if they start to gel. Mississippi State is a team that nobody's talking about right now, and I know that they lost to LSU. If they regroup, if that experience regroups, they're going to be a tough out. So right now, I think Kentucky has some more time to prove themselves. And I know that this team has already picked up a nice win, but there are a few games here that are going to be tough down the stretch. You know what else is tough? Going to the gas station right now and seeing all of those prices at the pump, it's rough. 
or going to a restaurant with your family. It's insane how things have changed. Inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, but our friends here at Upside are here to help out. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I, an Upside user, I'm earning cash back. All thanks to Upside. You can get started by downloading the free Upside app today, and you can use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. You can next claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. You can check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and you can get paid. Again, download the free Upside app today and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. It's literally splitting a payment in half. If you go to pay $10 for something at the grocery store, at a restaurant, you can literally cut it in half right now. Go get the Upside app. Use promo code LOCK. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCK. All right, moving along here on the Wednesday edition of Locked On. Kentucky Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Check that. It's Tuesday. I'm re-recording this after technical issues. I apologize. I put it out and quickly realized there were several things wrong with the audio files. Bet on me. What will Chris Rodriguez do in his return this weekend against the Ole Miss Rebels? I believe that we should not be focusing on what he does on the ground and more what he doesn't do touching the football because I believe what he does not touching the football actually may be more significant than what he does with the ball in his hands. I'm going to get to that later. But for now, let's predict what he does getting those touches. I think the one thing you have to, to turn to first, just kind of for fun, is to see, okay, what has, what has Ole Miss done against Chris Rodriguez defensively? And Kentucky's only played him once, or excuse me, C-Rod's only played Ole Miss once during his time with the Wildcats. That was back in 2020. 133 rushing yards, two touchdowns, 7.8 yards per carry, great numbers. And you can't necessarily apply that here because that was a very different Ole Miss defense. This defense as a, as a whole, whenever you look at their mentality and their talent and their scheme, they have changed things dramatically over these past few years. They are not what they once were. It's a very much improved unit. So you can't necessarily apply the 2020 stats to this, obviously. Ole Miss right now, if you look at them on paper, they give up 119 rushing yards per game. 3.2 yards per carry is actually pretty darn solid. And you look at what Kentucky's O-line has done so far this year, one of the worst teams in the nation in terms of yards per carry average. We talked about the rushing numbers on yesterday's show. If you want to go check that out, you can find that on the YouTube uh, channel or wherever you get your podcast. It's literally just the second most recent episode. But I think the most interesting thing, whenever predicting whether or not Chris Rodriguez gets a bunch of touches or yards or gets touchdowns or, or plays well against Ole Miss, period, I think you have to turn to what Mark Stoops said in his most recent press conference on Monday. And he said this, quote, Chris, he just needs to be himself. He doesn't need to come in and be our savior or anything like that or save our run game, any of that. We don't need him to worry about that. We just need him to be him. And we need the people around him, the other guys that are playing, to do their job, strain, and to do things better in certain moments. He's talking about the offensive line, I feel like, there. He's also talking about receiver blocking. He has been very upset with wide receiver blocking as of late. But Chris Rodriguez, according to Mark Stoops, just needs to be himself. So here's my prediction. After hearing that, it indicates to me that they're not necessarily going to try and use him as a bell cow type of guy. They're not going to try and 
cram the run game down Ole Miss's throat because it looks like they've got a relatively stout defensive front. And Kentucky, we all know the issues on the offensive line. Here's my prediction. As a whole, Kentucky will have about 130 to 140 rushing yards. And you may say, Lance, those numbers aren't great. You're right. They're not. Chris Rodriguez won't crack 100 yards rushing. He won't. But what I do think is he will get a healthy dose of touches, and he will be key for Kentucky in certain moments. If you talk about Chris Rodriguez just being himself, you may sit here and say, like I just said, oh, well, then he's not necessarily going to be involved as much. Well, no. Chris Rodriguez being himself also counts as him being key for the Wildcats in their offensive scheme in certain situations. So I think he's going to get the ball whenever it's important to get him the ball. I just don't think he's going to be able to do what he has been to defenses in years past, which is just run all over them, specifically that game against Ole Miss in 2020. He's not going to be able to replicate that because of the issues on the offensive line. Stoop said it himself. Other people around him need to do their job in order for us to execute. They're not doing their job right now. It's a good Ole Miss defense. Less than 100 yards. But the most important thing here, Forget about the stats for a second. The most important thing about Chris Rodriguez which Chris Rodriguez in his return, he'll do something for Kentucky that may be more important than whatever he does getting the ball. I mentioned this earlier. He creates a potential threat to pull Ole Miss off of Kentucky's passing game. Whether you like it or not, Kentucky's offense is pretty much one-dimensional right now. That, that's, it is what it is. Kavassier Smoke has been good in terms of yards per carry for the Wildcats, but they're not giving him the ball a ton. And Kentucky's just not running the football well at all. And Will Levis, his ability to run has just been completely, uh, it's disappeared this season. After him being a legitimate run threat last year, he's not been able to get it done because of the offensive line. One-dimensional. It just is. With Chris Rodriguez back there, though, even if he's not getting the ball, let's say he does get it. Let's say he gets it early in the game and he performs well. It opens up the rest of Kentucky's offense. The perceived threat of Chris Rodriguez in the backfield will open up the rest of Kentucky's offense. And we saw at the end of last year, Chris Rodriguez also get some touches in the passing game. So you could see Kentucky try and establish C-Rod at different points in certain situations, keep Ole Miss honest, make sure they defend everything, but focus on the passing game. I think that's what we're going to see in this game. We're going to continue to break that down later on this week. In fact, tomorrow we're going to have the host of Locked on Ole Miss on to talk about these different things. But I don't think that Kentucky's necessarily going to try and lean on C-Rod. I think they're going to try and lean on the fact that he's there and then work things off of that and see if they can get Ole Miss to kind of adjust, I guess, instead of focusing all on Kentucky's passing attack. Because Ole Miss's secondary is good, too. This is a good unit. Total defense, I think they're top 35 nationally. They're good. And on top of that, I mean, you look at the flip side of this. Ole Miss doesn't need time to score. If we're talking about Kentucky maybe, like, pacing things or, like, slowing things down and giving C-Rod the ball or, like, slowing the offensive scheme down, Ole Miss is 125th nationally in average time of possession, and they're still averaging over 40 points a game. Now, they haven't been tested yet this season. I mean, the, the four opponents that they played have been terrible, but... Still, they're scoring, not necessarily at will, but very quickly. So it may serve Kentucky best to give Rodriguez his touches in this game and be patient in the passing game. Pace yourself. Kentucky runs his pro-style offense. They kind of have done this, this this season. Just pace yourself. You don't have to necessarily go quick. Now, if you get down, that's a different story. 
But again, the Rebels haven't been tested. Maybe a good time to test them with this passing attack of Kentucky's. Test them. See if you can throw the ball a little bit. Tulsa, by the way, we talked about this on yesterday's show, was a top five passing offense. They faced the Rebels this past weekend, and I don't think they cracked 200 passing yards, but the issue was Tulsa's quarterback was injured midway through the second quarter, and Tulsa was on pace to give up about, or to get about 280 passing yards. So I think that pacing and third downs are going to be important for Chris Rodriguez getting his touches and for this Kentucky offense as a whole. So ask the re-answer the question, what will Chris Rodriguez do in his return? I think he'll play within his role well. I don't think he's necessarily going to do anything flashy on the stat sheet, but I think he's going to be a key part of this offense, whether or not he does get the ball or whether or not he doesn't. So if you have thoughts about what Chris Rodriguez is going to do, you can leave it in the YouTube comments below, or you can hit me on the socials at LockedOnUK. Before we get to some listener questions here, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at, actually, we don't even have an ad read. I'm so sorry. I had, thought I had an ad read prepped. You know what you were going to do? We're going to subscribe to the YouTube channel. I literally thought we had an ad. Oh, man. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, if you're listening on podcast, please make sure to leave a five-star review. It'll help me out a lot. Also, I like reading the reviews. They're fun. Again, subscribe, rate, review. So close to 2,500 subs. Also, leave a like on the video. I really appreciate it whenever you guys leave likes and you kind of bump up uh, bump up the algorithm there. would mean a lot if we can try and get some more eyes on this Kentucky Ole Miss matchup before it happens this weekend. All right, wrapping up the Tuesday edition of Locked on Kentucky. Again, I'm so sorry I had to re-record this. That's why it's coming out so late on Tuesday. Audio issues. I obviously uh, am, am in... Am, uh, in a different place right now because I didn't even know that we had an ad or not. Anyway, listener questions. Let's get to them. Clint Darden asks, "What beyond what Kentucky basketball is ranked going into this season, who do you think will be in the top 5 to 10 one month into the schedule? I think Kentucky's going to be there. North Carolina, Gonzaga, Houston. I think that Kansas is probably going to be up there. Tennessee is probably going to be a fringe top 10 team early on this year. So I think you're looking at those six outside of that. I think you're going to see some rotation. I would have to go look at schedules and predict different things for different teams. And to be honest with you, it's really tough to do that, considering that early on in these non-conference slates, you just simply see some random teams lose whenever they shouldn't. So I, I think that you're going to see those six teams and then maybe a hodgepodge of Duke. You're probably going to see a team like UCLA maybe at some point in there early, but they're probably going to kind of fade away. Arizona is another team that I think is going to be up there as well. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a hodgepodge. But, again, that core of Gonzaga, North Carolina, um, Kentucky, and Baylor and Kansas uh, and Tennessee, I think those teams are going to be the ones that are that – are, you know, they were the most prominent last year. I think they're going to be the most prominent early on this year. That's what I think. Now, we're going to have, we're going to, have to see Kentucky face off against the Zags, so that's going to be really fun. So that may knock one of them out, out of the top 5 slash 10. But again, I think it's still going to be that core conglomerate that you kind of see preseason. I think it's still going to be those ty- same types of teams. Maybe one or two of them falls out because of a couple of losses. Kristen Clark asks, would Oscar make a better defensive end or would Toppin make a better wide receiver? Either way, proud of, proud of both programs. Go Big Blue. I think 
I don't want to say that this is this is an easy answer because both I think would be very fun to watch. Toppin I think would make a better wide receiver just simply because of that, his athleticism and ability to get up. I think that he would make a really really fun wide receiver on the outside. Maybe put him at some type of flex tight end position where you can just get him the ball in one on one situations, especially in the red zone, and tell him, hey, just go up and make a play. And more likely than not, I think that Toppin would be able to consistently come down with jump balls. That would be a really fun thing to see. But Oscar is a defensive end. Hey, he's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got the physicality. That would also be entertaining to see as well. All work entertainment asks, with a skill and youth at key positions on offense, who do you think we target as QB1 moving forward in the transfer portal? This actually, I did not have a, have a clear answer to up until yesterday afternoon when some buzz around Hank Bachmeyer started to form. In case you don't know who that is, Hank Bachmeyer is the former Boise State quarterback who just entered the transfer portal uh, after some, uh, some issues there with the Broncos. Uh, not his issues, just issues within the program. I believe a couple people got fired. The OC got fired, if I'm not mistaken. And so uh, he's out. He's been a three-year starter there. He would be somebody I think Kentucky would give a hard look at Rich, Rich uh, Scangarello, Kentucky's OC, has ties to this kid. I would not be surprised if that move is made at some point this offseason. Coming up, Hank Bachmeyer right now would be my clear number one, not necessarily favorite, as in my personal favorite, who I would want, but to, to answer who does Kentucky target, I think he's going to be their number one guy. Great Kentuckian, final question here. Asks, would you allow most or all of your freshmen and third-string players to ball out and get the needed experience in a game to prepare themselves when they need to fill in positions for next season? I don't know if this is necessarily a basketball or football-related question. Uh, Let's talk with basketball first here because I think this is a football. I assume this is a football question. Basketball, yes. I mean, if you're, if you're, let's say, Kentucky's midway through their non-con slate, they're beating the dog out of some no-name school. All due respect to insert no-name school here. I think that you have to be able to give those kids opportunities to kind of gain experience. It's really easy to rotate those guys in. I mean, you look at Kentucky's depth right now across the roster, and I just tweeted out about this a little while ago. Kentucky's got the opportunity to play some of these younger guys and give them more than two or three minutes a game. Specifically, I'm thinking about a Thierra. If you want that kid to develop, you give him time now in situations where he can be comfortable and he can learn. So I say yes. I think that's a, that's a pretty easy one for basketball. For football, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different because you don't necessarily have as much time or as much. There are less impactful plays, I think, at the end of, of football blowouts that are opportunities for kids to learn or get experienced or truly like, okay, get some meaningful time that maybe impacts them and their development moving forward. Unless you're calling plays to try and run up the score, in which case even then your opponent is not necessarily like locked in at that point, I guess I would say. So it's a little bit more difficult. So, I mean, I'd let the younger kids play if it were me and I was in the middle of a a blowout for football. It's a little bit more difficult, though, because you have to ask yourself the question, okay, is this more about protecting the health of my starters and my more important players, or is it more about giving those guys needed experience? I don't necessarily know if they're getting that valuable experience because I want them to be able to prep for situations where, Things are actually important, and you don't necessarily get that 
in the fourth quarter of a 62 to seven game. You just don't get it. Now you're still getting that experience. Don't get me wrong. It's different for basketball though, because basketball, there's a, there's a lot more parity. And so even if you're beating down on a really tough or really um, weak opponent, a weak opponent a week later could give you way more trouble. I mean, it's, 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 it's so much easier to gain experience, I think, against any given college basketball team than it is against any given college football team is what I'm trying to say. There's less parity. There's less of a talent gap. I think if you're blowing a team out in basketball, you can still put somebody out, out there, make them run the offense, and, and get them to learn things. So, yeah, that would, be, that would be my answer to that question. And if you have any questions for the show, you can leave them in the YouTube comments below or you can hit me on the socials. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore, and you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, again, YouTube comments, hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky, a crossover episode. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless.